Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome to part two of our end of the 2020 offseason special. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. If you're just listening here, you've got part one you can listen to earlier. Um, if you prefer to skip part one in our season recap, just kind of want to know what the cards are going to be looking for in the offseason, you're in the right place. Uh, my name is Blake Murphy. You can follow on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. Joined as always by my podcast co-host uh, at Johnny Touchdown. And John, I did want to at least jump right into the Cards 2020 offseason. Let's um, do it. Because this is what a lot of fans are excited about. I know there's a lot of people who we just spent the last part of last episode kind of bashing how outside of Kyler Murray and with the struggles that Byron Murphy had, which um, I think it's it's a good thing to note that Patrick Peterson had similar struggles. We also saw similar, maybe not nearly as many struggles uh, from Brandon, <laughs> a guy like Brandon Williams. But let's talk about... Uh, I know it's like, you know, bash the draft, then we talk about the draft for all of that. Let's talk about free agency first. Uh, we can talk a, a bit about the coaching changes right now. There's not really anything we've heard or know of. We do know that there have been five coaches that are no longer listed on the Cardinals website. The defensive line uh, coach was kind of a holdover from Steve Wilkes, along with, I believe, they had a uh, assistant strength and conditioning coach is gone. An assistant wide receivers coach, an assistant special teams coach, and then kind of a, just a overall defensive assistant. So the Cardinals have probably at least five or so different roles to fill. We know they're keeping Vance Joseph. Uh, let's go and focus on the free agencies coming up. The Cardinals, at least right now, um, let me make sure I have that properly with over the cap, but they've got more cap room that they've probably had in a number of years. And what one advantage of that is, is that the other teams that are currently ahead of them are all going to have to pay a lot of their players, particularly the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys still have to essentially make their move to pay both Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper somehow. Uh, The team right now that has the most cap space is the Colts, about 91 million or so effective cap space. The Cardinals come in at about 65 or so million. The assumption is that will be a little bit of a bump if they are managed to trade one David Johnson. They also have teams like the Buccaneers who have a quarterback to figure out and pay. And then the Buffalo Bills, and then of course the Miami Dolphins. So Colts, Dolphins, Bills. Uh, Bills have a lot of guys to resign on that defense if you look at it for that too. And then the Cardinals. Seahawks are ranked right after them at 58 million. But John, let's go ahead and 
focus one of the things i want to start off with is there's a name that you kind of broke some of the news on just from what you have talk a little bit about what you've heard with a name that many cardinals fans should be familiar with potentially reuniting with the team yeah i think it was maybe a week ago um got a tip that cardinals if he becomes available are going to try to re-sign marcus golden to come back and play outside linebacker for them which is, uh, I don't think it's been put out there by by anybody else, but um, 10 sacks this season in his loan season with the Giants, uh, signed a one-year contract for pennies on the dollar, um, and was very much ousted by this front office a year ago um, when they had the transition with Steve Wilkes. Wilkes didn't think he was capable of playing defensive end, um, and they, you know, <clears throat> didn't butt heads, but it just the, the, there was not a fit. Marcus has been an outside linebacker since he played in the three four at at Mizzou. So he went to the Giants with James Betcher this season. That defense was horrific, but he was very good. You talk to any Giants fan, they'd love to have him back. Um, but I'm told should he get to free agency, and I think he will. Cardinals are going to have serious interest in in bringing him back and pairing him with Marcus Golden once again. His best season came in, I believe it was 2016. Uh, he had 13 and a half sacks, um, and Chandler had, I think, 11 that season. They were f- fantastic together. Just imagine what they could do now with Chandler really peaking in his potentially Hall of Fame career. So uh, the market value for him, what I'm hearing right now, four years, somewhere in the vicinity of 60 plus million dollars. It's That's going to take to get him with the, the big money is – the guarantees, um, I, I would say you're going to have to guarantee 20 to 30 million of that of that money um, and then have his annual salary come in probably about 15 to 16 million a year. Um, and he's never been a pro bowler, um, but he plays a position where, let's face it, everybody's looking for edge pressure. But what benefits the Cardinals is he is going to be in a in a free agent class that has a lot of premium defensive ends, um, both three, four and four, three. And he's he's still, in my opinion, kind of flying under the radar. So if they can make it work, and I'm told, unlike the Tony Jeffersons or the Tyron Matthews, um, he left the franchise on good terms, um, and he's a super high-character guy, um, and that, that's why they loved him. I remember a, a press conference with Steve Kime when they paid Chandler Jones, um, or they were talking about – Maybe it was before they had acquired Chandler Jones, but they were saying it was right after Marcus Golden, and they knew what they had. And they said, "Man, I, you know, I know what Marcus Golden's going to get on the market one day." Basically, alluding to the fact that had he had stayed healthy, didn't have the ACL, then right after the ACL, trying to come back and then being forced to play out of position, most people thought he was on his way to a big time free agent contract. Um, and so. The Cardinals have a chance to remedy that. Maybe they can meet in the middle with their asking price, but I'm told he would um, – I don't know if he has any interest in coming back, but the team would like to bring him to Arizona um, this offseason, reunite him with Chandler, have him play in a 3-4 under Vance Joseph. And if you saw what Vance Joseph did with two capable pass rushers, that being Von Miller and Bradley Chubb two years ago, I mean, they kind of set you know the world on fire in terms of putting up monster sack numbers. Chubb – playing that opposite role to Von Miller had 13 and a half sacks was the defensive rookie of the year. So say what you want about Vance. He, he can coordinate pressure on the outside. So they have interest. Um, but who knows the giants just hired their new defensive coordinator. I think tonight as we recorded, 
Um, that being Miami's DC from a year ago. Um, his name escapes me, but I'm he for the most part played predominantly in a four three. Patrick Graham is his name. They were three four team for the most part this year, um, mm-hmm. but they did multiple looks. But so does Betcher. So bottom line is, do the do the Giants want to bring him back? I'm skeptical because I know that they're going to try to bring back Leonard Williams um, because they traded for him and they've been vocal about bringing him back. They were so bad defensively last year. Something's got to give. And I, I, I just get the general feeling like they're just going to go in a different direction, but I could be wrong, but that's what I'm hearing right now. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, especially with the price or how that will work. Um, Golden at least after all had, two kind of down years one of them he missed almost the entire 2017 season came back and had double digit sacks including i believe a fumble recovered for a touchdown um overall had a really great season i think that you're right on the fact that the the guy who's going to probably be the most sought after at least outside linebacker edge rusher uh, is going to be Shaq barrett of the tampa bay buccaneers Um, they are going to probably try to do everything in their power to re-sign him but you also see guys like jadavian Clowney who are free agents i think that you're right that if you looked at most people said hey you want to end up paying about 60 million or so at least maybe it'd be over maybe a little under to marcus golden versus some 90 million to jadavian Clowney. i think Clowney's the bigger name but most cardinals fans after seeing the fit with the player and the team would probably be okay with the team going after golden i think the question then comes down to as you said matter of price how much you get per year whether it's kind of that one year will be enough um i think that it's exciting do you think honestly john that the cardinals would um, look for golden over if they could get say one of the big name free agent linemen just because of the fit or do you think it's going to be interesting to see i think they're going to see where the market uh shifts with marcus they have an idea they're going to prioritize front seven whatever that looks like. They're not going to behold themselves to one position and say, well, we got to do this. We got to do this. Um, We already talked about in our previous podcast, they know they have to sign multiple defensive linemen. They are not going to play in the outside of Chris Jones somehow making it to free agency, which I don't think is going to happen. They are not going to play in the top tier defensive line class and free agency, mostly because there just isn't that one name that jumps out that you would say that's a perfect fit outside of maybe Eric Armstead or Eric Armstead for San Francisco. But what I'm Mm -hmm. hearing is they're going to franchise him and try to do a sign and trade similar to what has happened in the past with like a D Ford. So I I just don't think they're going to get a crack at an elite defensive lineman. Leonard Williams, I think is going to resign. So then you're talking about, okay, the rest of those, those names that you're hearing, you know, DJ reader, Javon Hardgrave, those aren't individuals you're gonna have to break the bank over so it's like where are they gonna put their money at well you're probably better off allocating a lot of money to four or five players when you need a ton you this isn't a situation in where one free agent is going to put them over the top um so i i would like to think that they're going to have interest in Corey littleton of the rams who we've talked about um i i don't know if they're going to or not i know that they were in on cj mosley last year and then the price got too high and then they pivoted jordan hicks had a better season anyway littleton is a phenomenal inside linebacker for a rams team that won't be able to bring him back he's he's tremendous on third down he's exactly what they need um so if i had to guess i would say that they're going to be in that market but that that could get crazy too i mean so um it just it just depends right now where where they see themselves 
um, come you know early April and how this draft class shakes out. Um, they do not want to go into this class, that being in April with the draft, and say, well, we have to take X player because our defensive line isn't good or we have to take an edge rusher. Um, they want to be open to everything. Um, but I know that the smart money is leaning toward heavy, heavy, heavy on the front seven. Mm-hmm. And and that could go above. You could pivot. You're gonna. They have a big board just like they do for the draft. They have a big board of free agents. Um, I don't expect them to be in the market for in a, a you know a top tier corner. I think they've spent their money in their secondary and they're going to roll with it. I don't see them going after Byron Jones when they want to make Patrick Peterson a career cardinal. Which, by all accounts, if they can come to some kind of, of an understanding, I think that that's where this is headed. Um, so then, what's next? Well, we've talked about it uh, with Benjamin Albright on this podcast. They're not going to be able to get after Justin Simmons, but there's a there's a certain other safety that plays in Denver um, that they might have some interest in. I haven't heard that, but Benjamin is saying that that could be that could be a nice fit. Um, so again, there are, there are so many different options and ways they could pivot. But the only name I've heard of right now is one I, that they are going to target is Marcus Golden. Yeah, and I think that the some of the other names that have floated out there were former Broncos players. The name of that safety would be uh, Will Parks, at least. He's the backup safety, free safety behind Justin Simmons. Uh, the idea, at least if you want to kind of put a phrasing into it, would be uh, Deontay Thompson, at least there's some hope that he could be one of those guys to develop as far as being a center fielder, a big hitter, maybe even in coverage to figure out some of their tight end issues that they've had, whether that's scheme, talent, however you want to look at it. But um, if you think of Parks, he would probably be more of the center fielder free safety that could come in um, and his nose likes Vance Joseph. You put him in the Rashad Johnson role, that would potentially allow Buda Baker to be in more of the Tyron Matthew role. And you look at Jalen Thompson and his play that he did as a box safety in more of that Tony Jefferson type role of being able to both cover and be able to hit guys. He's a very physical player, could even slide into being a slot corner at times if need be. Um, that would be the idea, uh, I think, for the Cardinals would be to not have to worry about the draft or having a rookie or having to pay a ton of money to his safety when they're about to pay quite a bit of money to Buda Baker is the expectation. Um, as far as for the other names you'd look at for Denver, um, Derek Wolf and Adam Gotsis both are defensive linemen. Wolf said he's probably only looking for about a $5 million a year deal. Maybe you could end up getting him at five to four, depending on if it's a one to two year deal. It'd be interesting to see if he gets United. That was the comparison. That'd be a nice signing. That'd be a nice signing. He's been an IR the last two years, but sometimes there's players who have some injury issues come out of it. And at worst, he would be a guy who you could look at hopefully as uh, an experienced starter comes, fills in on the line, and then is able to prep the role for a guy like Zach Allen, who we compared and thought could potentially be at his peak. Being a player like Derek Wolf, at least, would be what you'd aspire to be. Gotsis would probably be the name that would be after that, um, in case they aren't able to get Wolf if he returns. Uh, then there's three. Uh, the one name that I, I think we've speculated on, and this is kind of more of just depending on what happens here. 
We've only speculated on Robbie Anderson uh, from the Jets, at least, due to the fact that um, he's probably not going to be returning to the Jets. He'll be hitting the open market, but also because he's an outside wide receiver who's known as a deep threat, and that's almost exactly what Kyler Murray needs. I don't believe the Cardinals are going to have plans to pursue or go after him. I think that, like you and I, John, have talked, if you're going to end up paying some $13, $14 million a year, which might be the going rate for Robbie Anderson, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to do that if Larry Fitzgerald is going to be coming back for another season season if Fitz is gone and you have some money to spend you'll probably need a wide receiver and to draft one or two but if Fitz decides to come back there's not any indication we've heard one way or another you're probably going to be paying him maybe you end up maybe if you say eight million dollars it'd be up to Michael Bidwell to determine what to do if they do end up paying those eight figures with him Uh, or I should say eight figures eight it'd probably be nine if it's 11 million come to think of it but that would be the only other name as far as for guy on the market who seems to kind of fit any type of an air raid system or scheme. Um, the big names that you have that are out there would be the Eric Armstead of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, John, do you think, I think you said something about how there's, uh, even though DeForest Buckner still has to get paid, he's going to break the bank. You talked about a potential franchise and trade situation with him. Yeah. The, well, the uh, Armstead, Eric Armstead, um, every, every, Buddy I talked to who is affiliated with similar to what we do uh, with San Francisco thinks that the team will franchise him. Thinks that, well, number one, they will have the capacity. And I think there's a decision to be made with D Ford because mm-hmm. he can't stay healthy. And what their mindset is, okay, so they could do a, a franchise sign and trade or they could keep him for next year. Let's say they don't win the Super Bowl this year and they, they try to run it back and they get similar inconsistencies from Ford. They could decide, well, we're going to and they, they have an opt out with Ford. They could move him easily and just keep Armstead and re-sign him. And he he is a, a I'm told, high character guy who has been through the turmoil of the Tom Sula years and Chip Kelly and he's been a he good was an soldier offensive lineman who switched in college. It's been a yeah. long development process for him. And this yeah, year, he was, if you off. can remember, I mean, he was like the 18th or 19th pick in the draft. He was the, he was the first pick outside of the Harbaugh era for this franchise. And he's highly thought of in that building and he's going to get paid by somebody. And he played like an all pro this year. And he's exactly what the Cardinals need. He's 6'8", he's 280s, a poor man's Calais Campbell. He's only 26. Um, should he get to free agency, they will have interest. Absolutely. I think Gambo even, even stated as much. I'm just, I'm skeptical that they let him go. Now, I think you can make an argument like they won the Super Bowl. You know, tough decisions have to be made. But, you know, multiple, I think multiple ways you got to look at it is, for the most part, they, there is no downside for them to franchise him. I think that they can afford to keep him around even at that that dollar amount, even it's for for another season. If they lose next week or in the Super Bowl, and it's because you know they they're not getting enough pressure or the D four gets injured again, they're going to want to keep him. And I know they play different positions, but the reason that they've had this historic turnaround is their defensive line, their front seven, has just been phenomenal. So I, I think the Cardinals will have interest and should. But I don't think he's going to get to, to open market. Yeah, I would expect the same thing for Chris Jones, who's the super talented yeah. defensive lineman in Kansas City. Is yeah. that even? I don't even think that's worth discussing. You got Patrick Mahomes on a rookie deal still, and I know they're going to pay him, but 
There's yeah. no way he's I, hit the market. I would believe that he's not going to hit the market, or if there would be any type of that, it would be more likely a franchise tag, specifically because of uh, the fact the Chiefs are going to still have some money to spend. He's kind of ultimately a core player. It's a bit of a bummer because it would be, honestly, I would like nothing more than the Cardinals to go out, have Chris Jones be available, target him, pay him um, handsomely. He might be the second-best defensive tackle after Aaron Donald in the league, which is saying quite a lot. <laughs> He's the player who I think a lot of people look at and say, eh, you took you know Robert Kandichi over him, which is unfortunate. Uh, the other name that has been out there, at least, is uh, Jack Conklin has been a name that I've seen bandied about, but I think it's more likely the Cardinals would look at the options that they have on their roster of Justin Murray, of Brett Toth, uh, potentially adding a draft pick to that wouldn't shock me. Even, you know, looking at 31-year-old Marcus Gilbert is coming off of an ACL would be dirt cheap. They liked where his progress was last year. Assuming yeah. that he doesn't retire or that they just don't, like, say, hey, we're not going to go through that again. We wasted a lot of time hyping this up. We don't want to have that. Um, I feel, At some point, have to, you can't obviously sign every single free agent. I feel like, like you said, well, John, if you're... It's going to be more likely that the Cardinals are able to land one splash player and get a couple of the re-signings and then try to focus on you know, some of that second tier. It wouldn't shock me if Armstead, Jones, Conklin, Anderson aren't available and the Cardinals walk away with the combination of Wolf, Golden, Gotts' Parks, and then the last name at least that we can talk about in Corey Littleton, which is probably the most intriguing name to a lot of Cardinals fans that's been mentioned about. Well, and let me just touch on this with Conklin real fast. If you're going to pay Jack Conklin, you're not paying DJ Humphreys. You're not going to pay both. <laughs> and who and who yeah. do you need to pay more? Remember, Jack Conklin didn't have his fifth-year option picked up by the Tennessee Titans. He's playing well now. Somebody's going to overpay him. Um, but uh, you got to pay Humphreys before you pay Jack Conklin, and they don't have money to pay two tackles big-time, big-time guaranteed dollars. So that's – they're not going to be in the market for a right tackle, nor should they be. Justin Murray played fine down the stretch, and I think they had a draft pick. Um, but uh, Corey Littleton, yeah, he he is, I think, you even I even listened to the team website, and they were talking about him um, on their podcast, which, I mean, like, I, I, I think that, that that, if you look at one player that's realistic, that is an immediate impact for this team, what they need, it's, it's Corey Littleton, based on the options. Because I don't think they're going to be a ton of splash free agent defensive linemen that they're going to target. Defensive tackles, I'm talking about. You look at these ends, they don't play a 4-3. A they're not going to target 3-4 defensive ends. I'm talking about defensive tackles. Not going to be big names for them to go after. They need to get depth, and then they need to hit, a, hit on a draft pick at some point. Corey Littleton, 6'3", 228, 26 years old. Played at Washington. Does that sound familiar? The Cardinals have plenty of Washington defensive players. 78 tackles this year, three and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, two interceptions. Tremendous against the pass. He's probably average against the run, but that's fine. Um, he has been a constant for this Rams defense, especially when you talk about during the success of the McVay era. Wade Phillips made him a, a full-time starter, and he has repaid him um, twofold the past two years. He had 90 tackles last year, four sacks, three, three interceptions. He's been... They're Jordan Hicks, but he's been better. He's, he's younger. He's better against the pass. Um, he's more fluid when you watch him play. He's great on opposing tight ends. Does that ring a bell? That's exactly what they need. So um, I tried to dig up a projection of what his free agent contract could look like, um, considering that he's never made a Pro Bowl, to my knowledge. Um, but he's like, he fits that kind of Dansby-esque 
when he hit the market and Miami overpaid him. That's the kind of the contract I'm thinking about. But if we go back a year and we saw what C.J. Mosley got, C.J. Mosley, who everybody thought was going to sign this you know, decent-sized contract, he got five years, $85 million. I think that he's going to approach that. Um, I think we're looking at, when you talk about Quan Alexander got huge money, Cardinals lucked out with Hicks. They didn't have to pay him nearly enough because he was coming off injury. Littleton, in my opinion, is going to be looking for four or five years, and he's going to be looking for, I think, 70-plus million. Can the Cardinals do that? They can. Should they? That, that remains to be seen. You're going to be paying a lot of money to two inside linebackers, one of which is injury prone. But you know what? They, they have the money and they have a rookie quarterback on that contract. These are the kind of moves that can turn around a defense fast. And Littleton is a great start to a revamping a front seven that is lacking, lacking in talent. 26 years old. Um, I would be all for it, Blake. And I think it just it makes a lot of sense. They know him in the division. Yeah, they know him in the division. And uh, Vince Joseph plays in the Wade Phillips 3-4 style defense. It's not the Todd Bowles um, aggressive attacking 3-4 style defense Great that point. he used to. Uh, it would essentially be almost a seamless fit where you'd be able to take Hicks, um, keep him in that Mike linebacker role where he's in the center of the defense being the main run stopper. He uh, had a huge impact for tackles this year. Um, I've, I've tried to look a little bit at some of that. He was an undrafted free agent for the uh, Rams, at least, I believe, where he signed with them. And um, he's overall had a great career, 64 games played. Uh, obviously, there's not Pro Bowls. His biggest impact he's made has been in the last um, two years, specifically. He was a starter for four games at the end of 2017. and was great the last two seasons. So I think if I had to say who would be the biggest impact player for the cards, I think that by... Adding him to the linebacker, upgrading from a guy like Joe Walker, adding another coverage guy. And then if you assume that you're going to get maybe a better free safety, uh, hopefully in a guy like Will Parks to be able to play deep. You're, you're suddenly, already way better. Yeah, you're already so, way better. You're already way better, and you can now allow, hey, Chandler Jones is in his right spot. You now allow Buda Baker to be able to roam. You have Jalen Thompson as well as another hitter. And if you'd be able to pull off between that and the Marcus Golden, then all of you're saying is, hey, you've got a couple of big-name free agents who are defensive tackles out there who, you know, we can't sign them to this multi-year type of deal. Can you sign them to a one-year deal? Can you go ahead and get a guy like, whether it's a Sue or whether it's maybe even a free agent like a Ziggy, Ants is going to be a free agent, though Derek Wolf was the name that was mentioned. Could you end up pulling a guy who's like a Gerald McCoy on a one-year deal? There's Jerron uh, Reed, I think, yeah. would be a nice signing. They, they within the division, he's very thought of uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. and he's young. That's the kind of those are the kind of players they need to look at. Yeah, you got a former second round pick in Vernon Butler. There's a lot of guys who I think um, you know Timmy Jernigan's getting up there in age. I don't know if Rodney Gunter is going to be one of those guys. I do think that he's a guy who another team will look at for hey we can upgrade and get a little bit of youth is what they'll look at for him. Um, you know, obviously there's a big boy and Danny Shelton's a free agent. He'll probably get a lot. Michael Brokers wouldn't be a bad one to look at either, Blake. Yeah, he's going to be up on Rams. Yeah, I was going to say, he'll be pricey for that one too. Mike Daniels is possibly going to retire is what some are thinking. Um, at least it won't be a Robert Quinn. There's, uh, there's kind of, like you said, John, there's a huge market that's out there that I think where the Cardinals could get a defensive tackle if they're not able to get the tier one guy. There could be potential just saying, hey, we're going to bring in one of these big guys to anchor the line for one year. And then you can start looking at the draft in 2020 or 2021 yeah. even. And it helps, Blake, in. that it's not a it's not a super, super 
um, strong class defensive line in this draft, and they can they can be honest with themselves and say we don't have to force a pick at eight because this free agent class allows us to to buy a year or two. There's some band aids to be had, and you don't have to say well, regardless of talent, we got to go. We're married to attack the de- tackle at eight because the class, in my opinion, that's one of the weakest um, aspects of this draft class. So. I'm right there with you. There are there are too many options out there where they can come in and you just need solid contributors and hope that you can get a disruptor later on. It's just you can't fill every need in one offseason. Yeah, especially because as we talked about, this is kind of a two-year rebuild that the Cardinals have entered and you took one whole year of that after the Steve Wilkes era and had to kind of reset from that. So that's what we're looking at. I think the offensive side is going to be interesting because like we've mentioned, the Patrick Peterson situation Uh, I think the expectation for the most part is that we really don't know if the Cardinals are going to offer him a lifetime contract extension this year or if they're going to look at, here's all the needs we have, all the talent to add in. You could either try to offer Peterson the extension now or say, all right, we don't want to be – this is the the example I thought of right away. The Cardinals, after a four-game suspension for Daryl Washington in 2014, went into 2015 – with words of reassurance that it wasn't going to happen again. It happened again. He was out for the year. It would not shock me if the Cardinals, I I, know, I don't want to say anything negative, obviously, about a guy like Patrick Peterson, but if they want to say, hey, let's wait and hold off until at the end of 2020, and then we can look at how the play is and see what that's been measured, because even if you don't have him as a lifetime Cardinal, the contract that he's been on for the play you get originally was going to be maybe one of the best valued contracts that the Cardinals had period. It was almost as valuable as Murray's rookie deal, almost as valuable as Chandler Jones deal. If you were getting that level of shutdown corner for two years at just about $12 million with none of that essentially guaranteed, that was great. Peterson being suspended for six games took you off of, you know, six out of that 24. And then you're coming into next season as his last uh, with the team. You still could find if he plays super well, that, don't think it fully rules out his trade value completely if a team is looking for a championship and the Cardinals are like, oh gosh, we can't really make a playoff push. We're, you know, one uh, th- one and three at the start of the year and suddenly they're trying to have to rally back and things aren't going as planned. Maybe it's the opposite and you say, hey, Cardinals come back. They have a shocking kind of Ravens-esque or Chiefs-esque, you know, 13-win season. Maybe that's a selling point to convince Patrick Peterson to re-sign. But either way, I think that from what has been reported, even John Gambadoro has said that he doesn't expect the Cardinals to offer Patrick Peterson or sign him to a long-term deal at the end of this season, that they'll kind of try to take care of every other need, know that he'll still be here, and focus on that again in 2021. What I think the most interesting kind of story of the offseason is, are the Cardinals going to be able to sign DJ Humphreys to a contract extension versus, uh, you know, with maybe a $15, $16 million a year is what's been bandied at? Or do they feel like that maybe is a little bit too much for what they're looking for and they're not getting a hometown discount to potentially franchise him? I don't believe he's going anywhere. It's not a situation where I think they let him walk. I think that's probably the biggest story of the offseason Uh, We're assuming that something will probably get done since the Cardinals seem to want to keep him, but the other one will be David Johnson. Now, you've talked a little bit about David Johnson. I know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been reported also by Gambadora to have had some interest in him because if David Johnson specifically is with the Cardinals, I don't think that the Cardinals are going to be able to allow that. You're almost kind of like in the Rosen situation. You're backed up. 
you almost have to say if the Bucks won't give you a fifth for David Johnson, okay, fine. You know what? Take David Johnson for a fifth. We'll give you a sixth and David Johnson. Eh, we don't want to do that. Okay, you know what? Fine. Here, um, don't worry about the fifth. Take David Johnson and we'll take a sixth in two years from now, whatever. No, we don't want to. Okay, you know what? Fine. We'll give you David Johnson and we'll give you a pick for that one. You just It's almost a spot where because of how the Cardinals have it stacked, you're kind of hoping that you can get something for him because it's so much of a sunk cost at this point. It might help David to actually be in that better role, but I think until that yeah. move is made, you don't really have a Cardinals offseason to, to sing home about, and you don't have any Kenyon Drake extensions certainly to sing home about either. Yeah, I, here's the deal. If they can't deal him, they're going to keep him. They're not going to cut him. Um, the, the cap savings isn't worth it. He's got, I think, at least $10 million, $10.2 million guaranteed, and he's a capable receiver at this point. Um, so... I, to people who are like, well, they just need to move on. They don't. They don't. Or they're not in a position to eat that much money. We've seen how much dead cap Kimes accumulated. He doesn't want to continue to do that. And like you mentioned, Blake, they are not in a position where they're cap strapped, where they need to trade premium picks. Listen, they 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 gave up their fifth for Kenyon Drake. They're not going to give up more picks to get rid of David Johnson. They'll just keep him for a year. They they can afford to do that. He being expensive third down receiving back, but I mean. Everybody's got problems, right? So I, I do think they will try to shop him, and I think your best bet is a, a Tampa Bay. But I've heard, and I put this out on Twitter, that you could have a, a, a scenario. Hassan Reddick makes $2.3 million in terms of his base salary next year. I, I know Bruce Arians loved Hassan Reddick coming out, and they could look to package Johnson and Reddick together. That would be a sweetener for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's taking on a lot of salary. But again, they're not really paying anybody anything right now, and they are going to retool that that defense. And I think Reddick would be a nice piece. Um, and I've I've heard that that could be a possibility that Reddick could go in a deal that could offset David Johnson's salary. And I'm just assuming that would be to Tampa. I wasn't given a, yeah. a specific team, but the Tampa to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they have over $81 million in cap space. So they've got some room to take on some, some veteran players. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, if they, if they can't, if they can't move David, they're just going to keep him. They can't, you can't just give away premium picks for this team right now who needs desperately to rebuild because you don't like it. that David Johnson's there. Now, what I will say is if they can't, if they can't trade David Johnson, Kenyon Drake's not coming back. They're going to roll with yep. David and chase and a draft pick. And that might be good enough, and maybe you, you acquire back. I mean, Carlos Hyde was phenomenal this year. Say what you want, he had 1,000 yards and was in the divisional round. They got him on in August, that being the Houston Texans. Backs can be found anywhere. Um, you know, everybody's going nuts for Derrick Henry right now. That's an outlier. I mean, backs can be found, and, and I, I wouldn't give a running back in this day and age a big-time second deal anymore. We've seen that blow up in too many teams' faces, so – they're, they're done doing that. They're going to roll with Chase Edmonds. I wouldn't be surprised if they let Kingsbury pick a back from this class, he and Kime, and take take him on maybe early day three, and then you have David Johnson come back. But I also think it helps the Cardinals if they want to bring back Kendron Drake, which they would like to, that this running back class, free agency, it's a, it's a deep class. It's probably the deepest it's been mm-hmm. in, in some time. Uh, Derek Henry's a free agent. Um, you've got... Melvin Gordon, a free agent. I mean, I would I would say both of those players are, are significantly better at Kenyon Drake, and then you probably put Drake next in that tier. This isn't a Le'Veon Bell situation where he's going to be able to rake the team over the coals. So 
the David Johnson thing, I, I, it is what it is. It's not going to hamper their success next season. Would it be nice to deal him and do a salary dump? Of course. But, you know, I think we would see something like that late February, early March before free agency kicked off. Like you mentioned, Blake, so you're able to kind of pivot and do, do what you need to do once that's taken care of. Yeah, and it's also the difference with Kenyon Drake. I mean, as we've talked about, John, with the previous podcast episode here before part two, the the way the Cardinals work is that Kyler Murray, because of his legs, is essentially, in a lot of cases, their run game. And Kenyon Drake, in a lot of ways, because of his ability, was the beneficiary. You even saw with Chase Edmonds going off for, you know, 100 something plus yards and all of those touchdowns in a lot of cases because teams have to value Murray as a threat and because they're going against a uh, you know stacked box. If you can pay Kenyon Drake about 5 maybe 6 million dollars a year or so and then get him for 2 years with the last 2 years of the contract not guaranteed, I think the Cardinals will take that in a heartbeat. You'll be able to use up Drake for 2 of those years and if he's able to go past that it's perfect. It's going to be a tough market for him because like you said this is a deep class for running backs. A lot of teams will choose to draft, and there's also other guys out there like a Melvin Gordon um, who did not find what he was looking for for a payday. Um, fortunately for David Johnson himself, he was able to kind of find that get paid before the 2018 and 2019 seasons, but I don't know. I think if I had to say, I think that you almost would benefit more to get Johnson off of the team, even if you had to give up a pick, but like you said, John, the Cardinals don't have a lot of premium picks to really give up. They have I believe only two sevenths, maybe I think a six. They gave up both of their fifth round picks already for guys who are impact. And they're players. not getting any comp picks. They won't get any comp picks this no, offseason. They'll be signing everyone for all that, so there won't be any comp picks. And if you are talking about, you know, hey, we just gave up a like this would be I think for a lot of fans are looking. I do believe the Cardinals will find a way to move David Johnson. Um, just because I think that there's no way that I could see that they would trade a fifth round pick for Kenyon Drake. And then not be able to re-sign him and have to bring back David Johnson for well, and they set him in the finale too, which leads you to believe that they have a they have mm-hmm. a, a hankering that, they have that a plan. other teams could be interested and they wanted to keep him healthy, and that that to me was a a, a, a tell that something could be um, something could be done. Yeah. Um, but I, here's what I will say, Blake. Not to interrupt you, but I, I do think uh-huh. that when you talk about pivoting away from David Johnson, you have to be careful. Because there was nobody else on this roster that has carried the load over the course of a 16-17 game season. If you're not able to deal him away and you're not re-signing Kenyon Drake, you're going to have to keep him and he's going to have to be your lead back next year. You're not going – unless well, Chase Edmonds just out, outright beats him out. Yeah, but yeah. I think that he'll be committed and he'll, he'll, want to make, he'll want to make a statement and he's a high-character guy. But you, I, I would be concerned about – not having competition, but David's probably your best chance right now, at least to start the season if you can't deal it. Yeah, I think if you, I think if you do end up having, a, and I don't think we'll get to there, but let's let's take that worst case scenario of you have to go with David and Chase. You're not able to re-sign Kenyon, or maybe say someone swoops in with a nine to ten million dollar deal, and you're like, all right, that's out of our price range. I think you'd be talking about a round two running back would be probably your starting running back. And we've seen a lot of rookie running backs come in and perform. I mean, Derrick Henry is the guy everyone's talking about. He was a second round pick for crying out loud. Not to say that, you know, 
You draft running back in the second round, boom, it's done. But like you said, John, I think the Cardinals in this case will either be able to have options and certainly will have leverage to the most part where I do think that they'll be able to get something done for David Johnson. And I think they'll be able to bring back Kenyon Drake at a reasonable uh, price. Now, whether that's the smart move or whether the Cardinals should just say, hey, we don't want to pay running backs at all. Let's just go ahead and put some of the money we give to Drake, put that toward one of these linemen or defensive guys or re-signing, and then be able to just draft a running back to go ahead. Maybe that's an option you could look at too. I don't think that's at least something to be uh, dismissed so easily. But uh, let, let, if you did say look at early, if you're getting back early season David Johnson, like about the first six games or so, he averaged about 50 yards rushing and about 50 yards in the pass game. Cliff was at least able to target him on some big downfield plays. It wasn't great. In the older days, you know, you were talking about he'd get about 100 yards a game, but it'd be more of like 70 yards rushing and about maybe 30 or so in the receiving game with some swings up to about 50 to 70 yards. If you can get that back, I don't think I'm as concerned. I think the concern will Mm -hmm. be, you know, if David comes back and he's the trying not to get hurt, same David Johnson, then you're going to feel kind of that the Cardinals missed out. No, I think he'll be wherever he goes. I think he'll be motivated. I think he's gotten... This is just my personal take. I think he's gotten too bulky. I think he's too big. I don't think he's as fluid as he once was. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I would be fine with it. It wouldn't be my first choice. But, you know, you talk about Kenyon Drake, the money he could be looking at. If they could get him around what the Niners got, Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman, who was a really nice complimentary piece in Atlanta behind Devontae Freeman, who, who started some games, got only, I think, like a two-year, $8 million deal from San Francisco – I mean, like, I would love that for the Cardinals and Drake, but I'm just, I'm worried about, again, over the course of his, um, you know, half a season with the team or less than half a season, he had over 600 yards and average five yards a carry. But I said this on the previous pod, if you doubled the amount of carries that Chase Edmonds had this year, his his numbers would almost look identical to Kenyon Drake. So I, he's got to be careful that it's, I and I think Kingsbury will attest to this. I think it's less about player and more about, you know, the scheme and being able to play alongside Murray. Yep. I definitely agree with a lot of that. And that will be one of the uh, biggest storylines to watch obviously is uh, do the Cardinals end up having to have kind of door number one, which is the door that they're trying to get away from of David Johnson door number two of being able to keep Kenyon Drake or door number three to be determined. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the only other thing I was going to say as far as what the special teams, I don't think there's really anything that you're looking for and need for upgrading or changing. Like Andy Lee, I think has still been fine. There's maybe one or two punters that some people are wondering if we'll get drafted, but I think at this point with the contract he's been signed, you're probably set there. You'll want to extend Zane Gonzalez after the awesome season that he had. Um, so that means that we're going to finally get to the chance to talk a bit about the 2020 draft. So, Right now, John, the national championship game will have been played probably by the point that this podcast is dropping. Uh, You've got potentially the 2021 quarterback one in Trevor Lawrence going up against a guy who most people are believing will be the top pick in Joe Burrow as the Cincinnati Bengals seem all but set to move on from him. And then the second player in Chase Young, who is the defensive end, the pass rusher out of Ohio State, the guy who a lot of people are looking at, Nick Bosa and... Uh, You know, if you're going to pick an overall rookie of the year, it would be him. (laughs) Even above Kylie, he was one of the best overall players in the NFL this year from the edge rushing position. If Chase Young is going to be even better, it's hard to see the skins passing on that. That's when kind of some of the draft starts overall at three. The Cardinals pick at eight this year. Now, before we get into some of this, I do want to make sure that, you know, we've been 
spending a lot of time talking about the draft this year. And outside of Kyler Murray and Byron Murphy, none of the Cardinals players really had that much of an impact this year. So the eighth pick Correct. is going to have an impact of some sort. It just sometimes is not the impact that you know you think it's going to be. The Seahawks' first round pick didn't have nearly as much production as a. Uh, DK Metcalf did well as you look at you know some of the other players who were taken with high expectations in other rounds ended up kind of falling flat on their face for that too compared to what the first round pick did so let's talk a little bit about after Burrow and Young what do we see kind of so far with the draft with the order being the Detroit Lions the New York Giants the uh, it's interesting with some of the teams that the Cardinals either tied with or defeated at the beginning of the year the fifth pick, you're talking about the Miami Dolphins, who didn't really tank all the way for that. Uh, sixth pick, the Chargers. And then the seventh pick, the Carolina Panthers that are there as well. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the picks leading up to the Cardinals, what we're either seeing, sure. what you're hearing, and what are kind of some of the expectations for Cardinals fans and what we think the Cardinals may want to do as well. Well, it's different than last year, isn't it, where we, we were leading up to the just like the hours before the draft. I think there were some still skeptics that – the Cardinals could take Nick Bosa, and they ended up going with Murray. But that they, they did wonders for the NFL uh, draft ratings, didn't they? And this year it's going to be, I think, quite the opposite in terms of the suspense, really, for the first two picks. You've heard everybody that's in the know say that you, you can Sharpie and Joe Burrow to Cincinnati and Chase Young, defensive end, uh, Ohio State, to, to Washington at number two. Um, so really, to me, the draft does not start. The, the entry doesn't start until Detroit at three. Um, I think I think two is going three. I think either to Detroit, which a lot of people think that that's not going to happen when you talk about Patricia, the GM, Quinn, who are very much in a win now mode. They have to win next year to keep their jobs. So I, I think that pick's going to be dealt. I think that Miami, the Chargers, Carolina, <clears throat> maybe Jacksonville, maybe the Raiders at, at 12, Indy at 13. I think that pick is going to be dealt to the highest bidder. It's, it's hard for me to see anybody outside of Miami getting that pick. When you talk about having pick 18 and 26, mm-hmm. having a package enticing enough for the, the Detroit Lions to just go down two picks. So mm-hmm. I am under the assumption, and it, this is just my thought, that Miami's going to have two and they're going to pick third, uh, assuming everything checks out medically. Then, you, then it gets interesting with the Giants at four. I really think at this point, they're going to go one of two ways. You talk about being a meathead, Gettleman, out of his mind, doing the unconventional thing, but at the same time, everybody kind of telegraphed that that Daniel Jones pick before it happened in the sense that they liked him. Um, so I think they're either going to go offensive tackle because their offensive tackles have been underperforming and Nate Soldier, and I'm not even certain who plays right tackle for them, or I think they're going to go <clears throat> defense, and I think that they could go – uh, either the corner from Ohio State, or they could go safety. They could add, they could add a lot of different players defensively. I think that'll shake out. But I, I, I think they're either going to do something to help that defense, or they're going to go tackle. Uh, I don't think they're going to add a skilled player at four. That's not Gettleman's mo in terms of receiver. He didn't want to pay mm-hmm. Beckham big money. They added Golden Tate. They had that kid in the second round that that played well, well this year for them. Receiver's not an option for for the for the Giants, in my opinion. Then you talk about Detroit at three. They're not going to take a receiver. People in the know with the Lions think that they're going to go, you know, BPA because they did it last year with Hawkinson. Um, I think they've got plenty of weapons offensively. I think that pick goes defense as well. So then you're talking about, okay, no receivers have gone yet. That really benefits the, the Cardinals, especially when you talk about the Chargers are loaded at receiver with with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen at six. 
as are the Carolina Panthers. They took a first round receiver um, in 2018, I believe, in DJ Moore. Um, and so you wouldn't mm-hmm. think they're going to go wide receiver again. So let's say that plays out. I, I think the Cardinals are going to be in a position to have a chance to draft both CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy at pick number eight, assuming there's no trade up. And I just I also think Justin Herbert could sneak in there, by the way, at, at, at picks five, six or seven. Um, or they're going to have a chance to pick maybe best available offensive tackle. This has a chance to be the most impactful top 10 pick outside of Kyler Murray that they've had in a decade since Larry Fitzgerald, just because of the value that they're going to receive by default, considering that the teams ahead of them need other positions, need positions that the Cardinals have checked those boxes. The Cardinals don't need a quarterback. Chase Young's not available, but they have Chandler Jones, right? Sure, they could use a defensive tackle, but you know I'm still not sold on Derrick Brown. There's a big drop-off after that. What do they need? They need a tackle either to develop behind Humphreys or to play right tackle, and there's a ton of them, or they need a receiver. They're going to be in a position, I think they're going to have their pick of two or three different players that in any other draft could go top three, top five. So this this is an exciting time. Now, things change, but... Based, I, I don't think the top seven in front of them could have fell any better, Blake. Yeah, the I would at least agree with all of that, especially when you're talking about um, some of the other needs that have popped up on the offensive and defensive line. It's, it's unfortunate if you're looking to try to bring around a long-term tackle um, to kind of fill that right tackle role, at least like that one. At least in the first round, there's three very good talents, or at least expected to be. You've got Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama is already declared. He was the right tackle for um, that Alabama team this year. You also have, um, as we mentioned, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, rode uh, like a mauler in the run game. Uh, played for Georgia this year. Uh, Tristan Wirfs has not made up his mind yet. If he does not choose to declare, that's going to be interesting because, one, if the Cardinals are looking to potentially have a tackle, that would be one name off the board. And, two, it also means that because he's viewed as a top-10 guy, if you're wanting a receiver and you have three tackles to go ahead of you, clearly probably your number one receiver will be there. Um, I would hope that he would declare if just for the fact that it would give the Cardinals another option is I think he is a top 10 talent. But um, going back, the fact that there's so many teams that also need guys on the defensive line, um, the one name hasn't been mentioned yet is Jeff Okuda is kind of expected to be, some have called him maybe one of the better pure corners since Patrick Peterson. I don't think that he leaves the top five picks uh, and would probably go, I think, just due to the value ahead of the Cardinals choosing and what's at least nice is if you are expecting Patrick Peterson to return for 2020 and have hopes of him being a long-term Cardinal, you're probably okay with him not necessarily having to be there for the Cardinals. It's, it'd be a ways for him, I think, too far to fall to eight. Uh, the Giants are in kind of a bind with their defensive tackle situation as well because they traded a third-round pick for Leonard Williams from the Jets. He did pretty much nothing when he got there. Even in post-game interviews, they're like asking Dave Gettleman, why did you trade a third-round pick for this guy? And he's like, I don't know, and just kind of moves on to the next question. And the Damon Harrison, the guy that they signed away from the Lions, kind of their prize free agent this last season, and maybe even actually traded for him, he's apparently been considering retirement and has openly and publicly spoken about it. So if you end up looking at a situation where the Giants need an offensive tackle badly and have a huge need at defensive tackle, 
Uh, as much as you know, adding uh, was it Joe Judge and Jerry Judy to make Judge Judy happen in the oh uh, lord happen in the yeah you know, I, I, with the puns. As much as that would be interesting to have happen, it's really difficult I think to see because like you said, Gettleman is a trenches run the football guy. Uh, the only well, remember they took and a, a, a defensive tackle. I think both and I think they have three first round picks last year. They took Dexter Lawrence and DeAndre yep. Bates high last year. They did. So that's where I'm pretty much ruling them out from a corner and ruling them out from uh I'd guess it'd be a defensive tackle would be what I would think that it would be offensive tackle straight up. Uh, yeah. The only counter for that would be Joe Judge was, I believe, partially a, a Patriots wide receiver coach while he was there as well as the special teams coach. Maybe he pushes a little bit for a sway, but ultimately it seems like this is Gettleman's show that he's running. So I think at least through the first four picks, like you said, if the third pick, whether or not, I don't think it's going to be a quarterback because uh, there's been some fans have said, hey, Lions should just take two. Or, like get rid of Stafford, take two. Uh, if you look at Stafford's contract in 2020, there's a potential argument for that you could maybe say that you could try to sit him like Emma Holmes, but his contract doesn't free up until 2021. It's like, essentially, the way you could look at it is, this would be like the Cardinals, imagine if they're trying to go through with Carson Palmer for all of that with, uh, you know, bringing a quarterback after that. But Stafford's not at the end of his career. He had maybe one of his best seasons that he's had, like, in the NFL up until he got hurt. And that cap number is absurdly large for that next year, where you'd be probably paying almost, I think it counted up about like 40 plus million or so to your quarterbacks. And that's assuming that, hey, we're going to go out and kind of, you know, not really be worried about winning as much this season because we're just transitioning kind of how the Chiefs were and hoping to keep your job for the next year. Uh, when the Chiefs did it, their general manager did lose his job after a result after the Mahomes deal was done. So I think that the Lions, rather than going out and bringing in a brand new quarterback, like you said, John, I think they'll be looking to deal the pick or taking a guy that's straight up there. Maybe they do take Okuda, and then you do see at the fifth overall pick, Tuataga Vailoa is there if the Miami Dolphins want him. Um, maybe it's Justin Herbert, assuming the medicals check out for that. And then I think the real question that we're going to be following the rest of the offseason is what's going to happen at 6 or 7? Is there going to be a defensive tackle, an offensive tackle? Does a quarterback sneak in there? Um, is there a team that would try to jump the Cardinals feeling like that they would want to have to get one of those receivers? Uh, but I think overall, John, this is part of why we said now the question some fans have asked for is, well, what happens if a Derek Brown is there? Or what happens if Cardinals are able to get a guy like an Isaiah Simmons who – uh, I know that he's a you know freak athlete. I love him as a prospect. I do think that there's been questions about um, if he has played. You know, uh, he's played about three different positions in college, which shows some of the versatility, which is fantastic. It shows that he's played linebacker, he's played co- slot cornerback, and he's played uh, defensive back and safety at 230 pounds, which is impressive. He's going to be a freak and will blow up the combine. The question I have, at least for him, with that is: if you're drafting, you know, Dayon Buchanan, safety, put him at linebacker. You go ahead and you draft um, a guy like uh, Hassan Reddick, who played defensive end. Put him at linebacker. You're taking Isaiah Simmons, a guy who's played two thirds of the snaps at the defensive back position, 
and then adding them to your team and saying, all right, go get them, Tiger. If we, we don't stop the tight end, it's going to be your fault and our jobs are depending on it. I think that is like a terrible idea to trust to a rookie to have for that production, whereas you could be talking about adding a playmaker to pair with Kyler Murray to get the Cardinals from the 16th ranked offense this year in points and numbers. Get them into the top 10, I think, if you add weapons around, make sure that the line is set. That would be at least my approach. I think some fans have just really wanted to – um, get the defense. But what are some of your thoughts then, John, at least for the, the defensive argument for taking a guy like Simmons or maybe even a guy like Brown, if you feel like that he's a, if people feel like he's a special talent that falls to them. Yeah. I mean, Simmons is not, um, I don't think he's an option as he's emerged more as a safety. I liked him as a prospect and he's fantastic. Um, and he is bigger than Dayon was. Um, and so yeah, he's Vance Joseph size. Like I had yeah. to double check on that. Cause I thought he was like two twenty. He's a full two thirty. Two thirty. I mean, he's, he reminds me of uh Cunningham who plays for the Houston Texans out of Vanderbilt. I mean, he's a big guy. Um, and so he'll, he'll, I'm sure he'll, he'll play well in the national championship game. And like you mentioned, test out well at the combine. I just don't think they can afford to take another inside linebacker high in the draft. I think that they have, um, had their chances and they need to go on the free agent route or they need to go in the middle of the late rounds and, and try to hit on somebody like the Niners have done so many times with like a Fred Warner. Um, they've lost their chance in my book. They need to go and, and find a position. I mean, they say what you want. I, I think they draft receiver pretty well historically. Fitzgerald, um, you know, Michael Floyd had an, a thousand yard receiving, re- receiving season, but wasn't great. But John Brown was good. I, I think we have high aspirations for Christian Kirk. I mean, like, plus on top of that, I, I just think Judy and Lamb are better prospects than Simmons. I, I, I don't care how he works out in comparison to the tape. I think Judy has some of the best route running tape I, I've ever seen in my life. And, and Lamb's like a running back playing receiver. I, he's what the NFL looks like now at receiver. Big, physical. We just watched Devontae Adams. That's the kind of player he is. Granted, he's not as tall. Um, Derek Brown's interesting. Again, he's not... I, I haven't been super impressed with with what I've seen, and let you know if he or another D tackle emerges, that they always do. They always emerge at the Senior Bowl, and then they get talked up. It's just such a roll of the dice um, because I mean we loved a certain defensive lineman last year and who went third overall, who was who's basically uh, a non-factor. Yeah, and most uh, defensive linemen their first year in the NFL, especially the interior, you don't see them make a huge impact. And so that's when you're talking about impact player, like, hey, if you're drafting for two to three years down the road, or if you have a veteran who's on a one-year deal and you want to bring a guy in for the next year, I'm probably all for that. But I don't know if that you can convince me of this over, you know, if, if you're talking about the wide receiver drafts of 2011 had Julio Jones and AJ Green went at four and six, and you're talking about the 2014, I believe, drafts that had um you had you know the uh, Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans for that. If you're talking about landing one of those type of talents potentially with either a Lamb or Judy, it's gonna be hard to talk me into a defensive lineman over one of those guys because. You know, if there's a chance of him being a transcendent player that you get to pair with your franchise quarterback, then sign me up for that. Especially since we know they're going to add D lineman in free agency. And it's like, well, is, is you know, is this individual going to play right away? Think about this too, Blake. It's like, how many defensive linemen went above Jeffrey Simmons last year in the draft, who is by far and away for the Tennessee Titans the most impressive rookie D tackle mm-hmm. I've seen? Four went in front of him. Four other defensive tackles. Quinn Williams went three to the Jets. Ed Oliver went nine to the Bills. Christian Wilkins, uh, 13 to Miami. 
And then, of course, uh, Dexter Lawrence went yep. 17 right above him uh, to the New York Giants. So defensive line is, is a tough position to evaluate. And I think the Cardinals are safer this year, avoiding it early. I mean, things could always change, I guess. We'll see how the draft board falls. There's going to be too many options at receiver and tackle. Um, for them, I think, to, to go defensive line. But I could be wrong. I mean, it's, we're, we're so far out right now. But, again, I I just think the way the board falls and the ability to have three quarterbacks, and I, I do think Herbert has a chance to go ahead of them. Three quarterbacks go in the first seven picks is such an advantage that the Cardinals, I wrote about it in my last post for revengeofthebirds.com, the Cardinals have been, on the opposite end where they have been gifting other teams impact players because they have been taking quarterbacks. We saw it with Nick Bosa last mm-hmm. year, Mick Patrick the year after to Miami. Now, it, you know, Steelers are reaping the benefits of that, but it goes without saying Cardinals need to, it's, it's almost like what the Colts did to get, um, uh, not Quentin Williams, but, um, the guard a couple of years ago, that's suddenly become the best guard in all of oh, football. Yeah. Quentin Nelson, I believe, yeah. is the one. Yeah. Uh, quarterbacks went above the Colts, and they just kind of sat back. They took Quentin Nelson. He's been a stud. The Chicago Bears a couple years ago in that mm. same 2018 draft um, got uh, the uh, inside linebacker, uh, Roquan, um, because everybody else took took a quarterback high. Buffalo and the, you know, the, the Jets and the Browns and you know everybody else. The Cardinals need to take advantage of that and just get a stud. Either it's a, a stud tackle that they can pair with Humphreys or maybe supplants Humphreys after a year, or a Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, alpha male receiver outside threat that can stretch the field vertically, that can break tackles. Uh, Judy really helped himself in that bowl game against Michigan, put on an absolute clinic. And CeeDee Lamb had a really strong December. So I Yeah. Lamb went off for 173 yards against Baylor in that championship game. And then the next week against, you know, future NFL corners LSU had, he still managed to be able to be the top receiver on the team despite a lot of offensive struggles. So I, I think the question a lot of fans have had, like we mentioned, is well, and this is from my perspective, they've asked, well, why don't you just flip the two? If it's a deep receiver draft, you can get a receiver later. You look at the Cardinals finding Christian Kirk in the second. Why not take the tackle or take the offensive lineman first, build that protection up, and then go for the receiver later? And the reason why I think that I would probably lean against that first is because if you're taking that tackle at number eight in the first round, I think that you're having to then start and play them because if you're saying, oh, we're taking a tackle at eight, well, then they'll have to... Play right away. You're right. gonna play. You're gonna play a tackle out of position. Most of these tackles outside of Tristan Wirf have never played right tackle before. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna play them out of position. They're they're gonna struggle in the first probably three fourths or not three fourths. The first third of the season at least because they're a rookie. That's part of it. They potentially be switching positions after year one. So it's I, I'm right there with you, Blake. But I mean, to me, I, I'm the, probably the big one of the biggest proponents or supporters of taking linemen early for this franchise but i also and i also think that this franchise this offensive line probably played as best as it could have this year specifically i don't the interior to me played as good as you can i think unfortunately we're only going to see a decline coming from guys like shipley and pew and sweezy who probably aren't going to have better years than they had what the hope is is that you get a humphreys and he continues to play at this level. And then maybe you can find a mid-tier tackle or an interior lineman that can develop into a really nice player. But like you mentioned, Blake, there are only so many stud receiving prospects in this draft. 
And to get one of them, you're either going to have to take one at eight when you know for a fact there's going to be one, if not multiple, to pick from, or you're going to are you going to roll the dice and hope you get to pick forty and to have an impact receiver fall to you? I mean, Christian Kirk went above forty, and he's not an impact receiver yet, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, I think the way I'd sum it up would be I care too much about Kyler Murray in his. You know, we've talked hey, about like, second. Oh, yeah, I'm back here. Thanks, but um, I think the way I would sum it up is I care too much about Kyler Murray and his potentially breakout sophomore year if he can get to that level to want to have a rookie offensive tackle be protecting him. That said, I don't think that the Cardinals should shy away from taking Lyman early in the draft. What I think would make the most sense is the Cardinals and the re-signed DJ Humphreys bring in a guy who's a veteran to play at right tackle, bring in a receiver to be able to help him to fix a lot of the outside problems we've talked about with wide receiver and talent. And I would honestly target a alignment, an offensive tackle in the second round, see if I can get someone who falls. Hey, if there's enough of a position where you're able to, you know, make a move up a couple of picks. We looked this year, we had guys like Cody Ford, you had Jawan Taylor, and we even had, I believe, a Dalton Risner were all players that were picked in the second round who had to start and ended up being fine for their teams. If you wanted to take a second round tackle, there's not that pressure then to have to start that rookie at right tackle. Then they could, if they're the best caliber player for the job, they could win that. The shocker, I think, that I would have, and I think a lot of people would ultimately agree with, hey, invest in wide receiver, invest in the offensive line. Some would maybe want to invest in a defensive lineman. If the team pays them, I think it's fine. The shocker I have is I think I would probably look at round three, and you mm-hmm. know, we, the tight ends are pretty good. I would still lean toward drafting a running back potentially in round three, even if you do end up signing a guy like uh, Kenyon Drake, you get rid of David Johnson, and you're keeping. And it's probably because I think they'd be cheaper than a veteran, and you also would be able to say, hey, if Drake goes down, you just have Chase Edmonds, and he's kind of your change of pace back. I think if you add a third running back who's got the juice, the talent to be maybe not a starter, but to kind of have a one-two punch, Suddenly, I think that you're now starting to have where there's not just one weapon, but there's now multiple weapons for Kyler Murray. I'd be fine if the Cardinals liked that, you know, another player. But I think if you then look at this draft and say, hey, if there's a better defensive player, sure, I'm all for it. But if you can go in with the knowledge of, hey, we're going to kind of target adding weapons and adding protection for our quarterback, I think that will then be something that the Cardinals can be pushed forward into saying, hey, this is a team that's going to make the leap. This isn't going to be just a, you know, top 16 offense jumping into the top 10. Can we get all the way into like the, you know, top five to six on offense for that one if your mm-hmm. Sam Murray is going to explode? Because then you're going to be talking about a very special season for the Cardinals. I would pour as many off uh, offensive resources as I could. And as we've seen, John, you get rookie impact pretty quickly from a running back. I yeah. think that well, that would I, be a I, really solid move to make, maybe similar to the David Johnson draft pick in the third round a couple of years ago. We saw how that turned out. Yeah, and I think that we're, what we're going to see is an aggressive Steve Kime on day two, and by aggressive, I mean aggressive to move down. I, I think this is a draft that just screams trade down, not in the first, although things could change um, if you're talking about maybe one or two spots. But I, I think you're looking at pick 40 and pick 72, I think Kime would like to flip one of those two picks into two additional picks. You look at the Oakland Raiders have three third-round picks, 80, 81, and 91, and the Cardinals pick 72. The Cardinals and the Raiders have a relationship and have traded before. Um, so I, the, the roster is starved for, for, for talent, 
and we saw it last year. They were able to secure, um, you know, a second for Rosen. They used the pick. They didn't trade away any of their additional picks. They used them all, right? Uh, I Kime likes his picks. He likes mm-hmm. his cheap talent. They don't have enough picks this year. They're not going to be able. They're going to probably have to, like you mentioned, give up a pick for David Johnson. If if you yeah. specifically or, we're talking about day get, three, or if you get a fifth, then you can say, hey, we got back that pick. Now let's get back the pick that we gave up for Jamie right. Thompson. I but can I, see I, that. Yeah, I just think that day two is is prime position to move down from because if you if you're able to go into free agency and fill needs there and then you get that bona fide stud wide receiver at eight and we're seeing all of these receivers, you know, fall out this year and you're able to get a, a player the caliber of, of that maybe better at eight and you're sitting there at 40 and you're like, man, we feel really good about ourselves. We're not, we don't need to press for a player. We, we're certainly not going to look to trade up. You know, we're going to field offers. Maybe some of these second tier quarterback market starts to emerge and maybe a Jake Fromm. I don't know. It's way down the line. But I, I think this year above any other that I can remember, because the Cardinals had trade offers for Byron Murphy last year and they said, no, we, we're going to take him. Um, and that came out. Um, that at that press conference um, and I think the same you know they traded up for Buda Baker I think this is the year they trade down on day two yeah totally agreed John um, we've seen that in the past with Steve Kime you look at that 2013 draft um, traded down to take Kevin Minter added Earl Watford and even in the year after that they traded down from Dayon Buchanan were able to add a third round pick um, Originally, it was intended to be taking a guy like Logan Thomas, who B.A. liked. Instead, they ended up with speedster John Brown. Um, it gives yourself more shots, ultimately, if the draft is kind of a crapshoot in some ways. There's players who, you know, you think are going to be, you know, six-time All-Pros who end up, you know, not making it past their first rookie deal. And there's players who go undrafted or go in the late rounds end up becoming star players. But I do think that just having a few more of those shots is what Steve Kime wants to get back to. And without some of that desperation for a quarterback, I agree with you that could be prime trade down territory if they like where their board is um, my only you know caution or concern would be if you look at that 2017 draft um, that's kind of a you know a bit of a pain with the Chad Williams selection when you look at some of the wide receivers who went before were Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin and now you're kind of kicking yourself about that one but that's how the draft will work some days you're the team that gets David Johnson and some days you're the team that took Amir Abdullah <laughs> all right well that'll be just about it we'll have plenty more obviously to talk about with the NFL draft especially breaking down some of the specifics with how the players do we'll be looking more in uh, in depth at least um, maybe even some of those arguments such as which of the tackles is better which of the wide receivers is there we'll have plenty of debate to go around and we'll have plenty of updates to get to as well uh, as of right now we'll probably be looking at another show um, I'd say at least, if not next week, it would be at least after the Super Bowl as we get into that and free agency, the combine, and everything else approaches. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. You can listen to the Revenge of the Birds podcast on uh, Spotify, on iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, as always, as well as Google Play Podcasts, other apps like Himalaya and Stitcher as well. Make sure you check out our work at revengeofthebirds.com. Thanks if you've been listening to this two-parter that we have for kind of breaking down the cards offseason. Um, always appreciate all the feedback the comments our fans give. Um, I'm on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7 if you want to interact with me directly. Um, you can also go ahead and reach out to my co-host, John, if you'd be able to plug yourself there. Yeah, I'm at, at Johnny Touchdown on Twitter, all uh, one word. And, yeah, we're, we're going to try to keep the content coming this off season. 
if news breaks, we're going to try to get content out the day of. You're not going to find that anywhere else. We're going to be talking about what you guys want to discuss, the hot button items for this franchise, and uh, we'll do our best to, to get that information out uh, as soon as possible, which is, you know, what, what our goal is to talk about and to give you guys what you want. So thanks again for all the support. Appreciate it. Absolutely, that complete cards coverage. Thanks again for checking in, guys. It's been a great year. Cliff and Kyler, year one has been a wrap. We'll see what happens on the other side in 2020. Thanks again. Have a good one.